This is Carolyn Holly. Welcome to Game Plan for Life with Skip Hall. For the next half hour, you're going to be encouraged and challenged by Skip and his guests as they discuss the game plan for life. In sports, as in life, it's important to have a game plan. And as Skip says, no game plan, no victory. Game Plan for Life with Skip Hall is brought to you by the following sponsors. Dutch Bros of Boise, an experience guaranteed to satisfy. McDowell Specialty Repair, Susie Boyle Mortgage Team and Castle & Cook Mortgage, LLC. And Summer's Funeral Home, every life leaves a legacy. And now, here's your host for Game Plan for Life, Skip Hall. Welcome to Game Plan for Life. This is your host, Skip Hall. Well, today we have a very interesting guest in studio. His name is Kent Delhousay, and uh, he's the the new pastor, senior pastor, lead pastor at The Pursuit. So we're going to learn about that a little bit later. But uh, first of all, Kent, welcome to Game Plan for Life. Hey, thanks, Coach. Good to be here. Yeah, it's great to have you. So I want you to go back, Kent, to tell your story, uh, where you grew up, and march is kind of on up to today. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, well, I was born. Yeah, that's a good thing. <laughs> and then, uh, I actually, I grew up in a pastor's family, and so right. that needs to be set up front because it defines sort of who I am. Preacher's kid. Preacher's kid. Yeah. Or theological offspring, as they there say. You so I I grew up, uh, I was born in Santa Cruz, California. It's my hometown. Yeah. And that's part of my story because I went back there as an adult. But I grew up in Scottsdale, Arizona. Right. So that's my hometown. I kind of lived there for most of my young adult years. Uh, let's see. I went to Chaparral High School in Scottsdale, Arizona. And then I went to Arizona State University. Yep. Got a journalism degree from mm. the Walter Cronkite School of oh, Journalism. That's a, that's a good one. Yeah. Anything named after Walter Cronkite is good. Pretty good stuff. So I learned how to do uh, print journalism. And I actually had thought about being a print journalist at one point. Really? Yeah, yeah, and I, I gave it a lot of thought, and then I realized uh, they make even less than pastors. So, <laughs> so I had a choice between going to seminary or going to uh, journalism school yeah. and, and be a journalist, and so I chose seminary. Mm-hmm. Went to Phoenix Seminary, got my uh, master's degree in biblical communication. In the process of that, fell in love with ministry yeah. and decided that I wasn't going to be a journalist. I decided to be a pastor. Mm. So I was 25 years old, just graduated from seminary at Phoenix Seminary. And then I got ordained by my home church, Scottsdale Bible Church. Yeah, where your dad was the pastor. He was and, for a long uh, time. Daryl Del Husay was uh, our pastor when we lived in, in, in Phoenix, Scottsdale area for eight years. And yeah. We sure enjoyed him and, and your mom and... Uh, yeah, now here you are taking over the reins. Yeah, yeah. I kind of felt this sort of call from a young age that I was yeah. supposed to do the same thing. Um, and so I decided to get go ahead and get ordained. And my first ministry was back in Santa Cruz, California. Mm. So I went out there and for three years pastored as young adults pastor at Santa Cruz Bible Church. The pastor at the time there was a guy named Chip Ingram. Yeah, Chip, who sure. does a lot of uh, Living on the Edge, yeah. radio stuff. He was at Walk Through the Bible for several years as the president there. Again, one of the greatest communicators that I, I, I know. Yes. And served with him at Santa Cruz Bible Church for a few years. And then we came back to Scottsdale and I continued to preach at Scottsdale Bible Church. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I did that for about three years as associate teaching pastor. Right. And I had another job in real estate on the side. So yeah. I kind of worked in the real estate world and then I preached on the weekends. Gotcha. It's kind of a nice hybrid well, model. Absolutely. Yeah. And absolutely. then I kind of felt called to leave uh, real estate and go back into ministry full time. 
I was a pastor at Northwest Community Church in Phoenix, Arizona. So that's a 43rd Avenue in Bell. And I was there for a few years, saw some great things happen, really enjoyed it, and then felt called to move over to Bethany Bible Church, Mm -hmm. which is actually the parent church of Scottsdale Bible Church. Kind of an interesting twist. I actually ended up pastoring the church that planted my home church. (laughs) That's great. So Bethany Bible, I was there for seven years as the senior pastor of Bethany Bible Church. um, Had a great season in the center of Phoenix there. Uh, Started our family there, raised our kids there. And then about four years ago, we really felt it was time to make a change. Mm. I needed to change. So um, I think you know some of my stories, Skip. Oh, yeah. But I kind of burned out. I had been in ministry for a number of years, about 20 years at that point, Mm -hmm. 10 years as a lead pastor. Mm -hmm. And I had this uh, inability to connect to how I was doing inside of myself. Mm -hmm. And I fell into some of the traps that pastors fall into which is working really hard, yep. doing a lot of ministry, always trying to be the guy that people expect, mm-hmm. always trying to be at everything and do everything and do it well. All everything. And the pressure and the expectations yeah. and the criticism and the drama of ministry wore me out. Oh, it's kind of like coaching. Yeah, you can Absolutely. relate. I can relate, you bet. Pretty stressful. Yes. When all the eyes are on you and all the pressure, mm-hmm. it's really tough. Yeah. And it takes a toll on you. It does. And if you don't take care of your own soul, you're going to pay the price. Exactly. So I, that's one thing I did not do well. I think back on those days and I realized I didn't have any hobbies, Skip. Like mm-hmm. If you asked me, what do you like to do for fun, Kent? I would say I read books. Yeah. And, and maybe go golf once in a while. Like that was what I did. That was right. it. That was it. That was my life. And then I realized that's not healthy. And when I started to crash and burn and feel like I was wearing down, um, I didn't have any tools or resources to be able to take care of myself. Mm. And I just crashed and yeah. I said I needed to step away. So when I was at uh, Bethany Bible, about seven years in, I decided to step down mm-hmm. and we decided to move. Make a change. Right. Needed a fresh start. Mm-hmm. And so we hit the reset button and we moved up here to Idaho. To Boise, Idaho. Yes. And I here's the funny story about that. I had a matrix, Skip. I had a matrix of cities I wanted to possibly move to. Mm-hmm. And Boise was not on the list. Really? I had 20 cities all over the country I thought we wanted to live in. And I had all the categories like crime and cost of living sure. and outdoor life and all these things. And I never considered Boise because I'd never been here before that. The only place I'd been in Idaho was Coeur d'Alene. And Coeur d'Alene is gorgeous. Beautiful. But it's small. Right. And it doesn't have the big city stuff. Mm -hmm. So I didn't even entertain the idea of Boise. And then one day, I'm having breakfast with my friend Ben, who I do the Love and Transformation Institute with. Yep. And he had moved up here for a job. Mm-hmm. And so we started talking about what I was thinking and, and he asked, well, why haven't you considered Boise? And I said, why should I consider Boise? He said, well, what are you looking for? And I rattled off all my categories mm-hmm. and he said, that's Boise. That's Boise. <laughs> and I realized you may be right. So we ended up coming up here. Uh, we spent a week as a family driving up to check it out, fell in love with the place right away, right. made the decision to move pretty quickly, mm-hmm. came up here and we started an organization up here. Yeah, you and Ben. Yes, the Love and Transformation Institute. Mm-hmm. So Ben and I, um, what happened was he was up here first and he was working at another regular job and then he decided to go in to do LTI mm-hmm. and we figured it'd be better to do things in the same city. So I came up here and mm-hmm. we started LTI, which is a nonprofit organization. And it exists basically to do leadership and character development. Mm. I I just really boil it down to that. What it is, is one thing that Ben and I started doing when I was burning out, when he was going through his stuff, was we started to fall into coaching. 
we started getting coached. Right. We got into groups of coaching and we learned to deal with our stuff. Yep. We learned to develop the tools and resources to be healthy. And it changed our lives, mm. both of us. And we thought, you know what? Everybody needs this. Mm. The only problem was that stuff is very expensive. Sure. So if you wanted to get coaching, uh, whether it's life coaching, executive coaching, or some other form of coaching, it costs a lot. And yeah. especially executive coaching, which is what I was doing. Right. Very expensive. The only reason I could do it was because I had somebody in my life that funded it for me. Mm. They said, I believe in you and I'm going to help you do this. Mm. So I, we realized there's a lot of people that need this stuff, but have no access to it. Mm. So why don't we start a nonprofit and let's bring it to them? Sure. So we garnered all of our resources and all the things that we learned. And in the process, I should add that I actually went to the Townsend Institute at Concordia University, Irvine. And I got for one year, I got my certification in executive coaching. And so went through the process of learning how to do all this stuff. And we said, let's take this and let's offer it to the public at a discount or even free of charge. Hmm. And so that's what, why we started the Love and Transformation Institute was we started to create these resources for people and we don't normally charge for them. Hmm. So what happens is if somebody comes to the Institute and wants to be trained and led, we will pour ourselves into them and our resources into them. And then if they decide it was worth it, they will turn around and donate to the Institute. Gotcha. So it's kind of a cool model. We yeah, said, let's just serve people. Let's help them with their character development and their leadership development, help them get healthy and grow. Mm -hmm. And then if they feel like it benefited them, they can become a supporter of the Institute. And that's how we've been doing this for the last five years. Wow. Wow. Yeah. What a story, huh? Yeah. Well, that's great. Well, with your new job coming up at mm -hmm. uh, The Pursuit, well, you're going to be bivocational. You'll yes. still have a portion mm -hmm. part of your time will will go to the mm -hmm. the l and what is it LT, lti yeah, yeah, yes LTI, and then the other of course the main thing will be at the pursuit so right we'll continue on with your story yeah pursuit so here's what happened with pursuit i should add this so when we came to idaho i was pretty much in a place i thought maybe i wouldn't be doing vocational ministry again so i will really pour myself into the nonprofit. i can still serve god i can still love people but not deal with all the stuff yeah. of ministry yeah and so the, the Institute was fantastic. And for five years, it really scratched the itch. But then what happened was uh, there was a church not far from our home that we had some relationships with. And I had a good friend. His name is Dave Gibson. Yeah. And Dave is just a really superb guy. He's a pastor of pastors. And he and we were having breakfast one day. And he told me that the church that we knew about they had gone through a transition with their pastor mm -hmm. and they were starting a search for a new pastor. And I was in the perfect place to start thinking about whether I might want to consider vocational ministry again. Mm -hmm. It had been five years. I can say I feel like the cup is full again, that I've been healed from my own sort of hurt and mm -hmm. the things I had gone through and actually started to feel a burden and a passion to return to ministry. Mm. So between what God was doing in my life and where I felt like I was, and between what God was doing at The Pursuit, ended up being a perfect match. Right. So at the same time, I was actually preaching uh, for a few months at another church here in the community called uh, Cole Community Cole Church. Cole Community, yeah. Yeah, I was filling the pulpit there for a few mm -hmm. months, loved that, enjoyed that, and that really stirred up my desire to keep preaching and teaching. Okay. So as I'm preaching at Cole, I'm talking with the pursuit about this position, right. and the more and more I learn about it, the more I'm getting excited about teaching and preaching again. Mm. And not just the teaching and preaching, but actually the shepherding. Right. One thing that I struggled with, Skip, uh, in my early ministry years, was that I was a typical, uh, driven, ambitious uh -huh. young pastor. 
As happens a lot. It does happen a lot. Mm. And I, what I wanted to do was I wanted to preach and teach. And many ways, that was the most important thing. Building a big church and doing a big work was really what I was after. And so the, the personal relationships and the care of people's souls kind of yeah. fell down the list. And I think it was more about the big picture and mobilizing the masses. Mm. Well, what's changed for me in the last 20-something years is now I now live for those little interactions. The shepherding of souls is really the most important thing. And so God has done work in my heart where he's really taken away the ambition. I, I no longer have an ambition to have a big work or to do something significant in the world's eyes. I just want to love and serve people and teach God's word. Yeah, one by one. One by one. Yeah. And I love people. And God has really softened my heart in so many ways and really cultivated a shepherd in me. Mm-hmm. Where I've always been a leader and a teacher, I was kind of weak in the shepherding category, but God really developed that in me. And now I'm so convinced of that, that the teaching serves the shepherding. Yeah. That I only reason I want to teach is because it actually helps people. It actually shepherds their souls. Mm-hmm. So my teaching has even developed. I think people who hear me now, or maybe who heard me back in the day, would say that I'm I'm probably more um, empathetic in my preaching, yeah. a little bit more understanding, Absolutely. a little bit more we're in this together, mm-hmm. you know, I, I'm part of the struggle with you, mm-hmm. um, a lot more gracious, I think, in the way yeah. that I communicate and the way I want people to feel. And so it's been really, really cool, Skip, yeah. to have another opportunity to, in many ways, step back into a ministry role and to be able to lead a church that's been through a lot. Yeah. Pursued has, a, has a, a, a kind of a history in this community. Uh, done a lot of good things, but mm-hmm. also has some really difficult times. Yeah. And they've been really beat up, really you know, shrunk down. And so it's a chance to really rebuild something. Yeah. So I'm loving what I'm doing. But the best part is that they agreed from the very beginning that they didn't take all of me. Mm. And what that means is they allowed me to continue to serve LTI. Right. Because I said to them, I said, the Love and Transformation Institute is doing great things, mm-hmm. and I believe in the vision, and I don't want to see it go away. Yeah. So I can't just abandon it. Right. So would you still allow me to take my hours and to be able to do still do 40 hours here at the church, but mm-hmm. then take another 15, 20 hours mm-hmm. to spend on LTI each week? Mm-hmm. And it means for a busy, busy life for me, right. but it's worth it. But it's worth it. I said, well, you just allow me to be able to have a hand in both as long as I do them both well. And they said, yes. And it's been working great. Well, you're still serving people. And that's, that's the key. Yeah. You know, I wrote a book, uh, Kent, and I'll give you a copy of it called coach them up. Mm. And that's kind of what you're doing now. You're coaching people up. Yeah. Coaching them up in the Lord. And, and Mm -hmm. uh, boy, there's nothing better than that. So yeah. Well, you're a coach too. And so we have that in common. (laughs) You did it at a high level. I'm just a little scrub coach here in the treasure Valley. No, no. When, you, when you enter the coaching arena, small or medium or large, it doesn't matter. You're, yeah. You you are uh, yeah. uh, affecting people's lives and helping them grow. And, and uh, yeah. So anyway, my, my advice to you is just keep coaching them up. I Coach will. Coach them up. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, let's, uh, let's do this, Ken. I want to yeah. have you talk a little bit about your family. Tell yeah. us about your family. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. Thank you for asking that. Um, I'm married to my wife, Stephanie. Mm-hmm. We've been married for 26 years mm-hmm. and she is amazing. Um, we've learned a lot in our marriage. Over 26 years, as you can imagine. As we do. Relationships change, and we, we develop, and we mature, and we live, and we learn. Right. And I'm learning to be a better husband to her, um, but she's a wonderful woman, and yeah. I'm very blessed to have her. And then I have three kids. Three kids. Ethan, Christian, and Claire. 
Eight. Ethan is 15. He'll All be right. 16 next month. All right. Christian is 14 and Claire is 10. Wow. So I got two boys and a girl and they are, I'm in the full teenage stage yep. of parenting, which is something else, Skip. <laughs> You're in the middle of it. It is really Absolutely. thick right now. I mean, I, I love, I love my children. They're amazing. But they are teenagers. They are teenagers. So we're learning how to you know, parent them and release yeah, them into the world yeah. in a few years. And especially as a father with, with a daughter. I remember we have a son and a daughter, but I can remember, you know, I coached 100 males a year between the ages of 18 and 22, mm-hmm. but one teenage daughter <laughs> took, me, <laughs> took me to my limits. Yes, you, and you oh, learn. Yeah. she is a handful. She's 10 years old, and I'm already <laughs> gearing up for her teenage years. Yeah. I can only imagine Claire is a little fireball. She's great. Oh, that's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. Well, Kent, I know you're also a published author yeah. and, and songwriter. Now, I didn't know about yeah. the songwriting business. Yeah. We'll get to the author in a minute. Sure. But tell us about the songwriting. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of funny. I'm, I'm a songwriter, not a song singer. Right. <laughs> so uh, songwriting really only happened because of a good friend of mine, uh, mm-hmm. a really good friend of mine. He's like a brother. It's Justin Unger. Mm-hmm. Justin, um, who's the grandson of Larry Wright, okay. who was a radio personality in sure. Phoenix, Arizona. Oh, yeah, we... We sat under Larry's uh, teaching a couple of times. Yeah, you know who Larry yeah, is. I do. So Justin is his grandson, and you say that Justin inherited the gift. Justin is a phenomenal music pastor. So he was my worship pastor uh, with me when I was pastoring at Bethany Bible Church. Okay. And so it was a, one of the greatest seasons of ministry was serving with him, and he writes a lot of music. And so yeah. what happened was I had written some stuff down. I'd done some research and some study, and I shared it with him, and we talked about going in together and writing a, an album. Mm-hmm. So he kind of took my lyrics, and he made them more musical, and we put them together, and he made a whole album called Blessed. Wow. And we published it together, and I am on that record as the writer, yeah. or one of the one co-writers, of the writers, yeah. and I, I'm still amazed by that. that I, I actually can say, it was on my bucket list, by the way that someday I'd write lyrics for songs, mm-hmm. and which is really crazy because I'm not really a musician. I played piano as a kid and all that. But oh. the thought of writing a music album is amazing to me. And so every time we even hear one of the songs from that album, I get a little emotional yeah. because it takes me back to getting to do ministry with my buddy, Justin. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, tell us about, uh, I think you've written three books yeah. or you've been a part of writing three books. Yeah. yeah. Tell us about the, the one that you wrote by yourself. Yeah. The one I wrote by myself, there's a story that goes behind it. Um, I had not decided to be an author yet when I had been preaching through the book of Genesis. Mm-hmm. I did a, a series on the first three chapters and I had happened to reach out to a friend of mine who was a publisher. And I, I almost forget like the reason why, but I think I was just checking on her and seeing how things were going and saying like, hey, maybe someday I want to write a book. Yeah. So she wrote me back and said, you know what? It's funny you wrote me because we actually do this annual writing contest to, to find new authors. Hmm. Do you want to enter it? Yeah. And I thought, well, okay, I guess I will. Sure. So I went ahead and, and created the manuscript and I sent it in. And, you know, long story short, I did not win the contest, right. but I won a category. Mm. So I won the category of theology and culture. Okay. So as a result of that, they, they went into a joint partnership with me and they said, here's what we'll do. We will publish your book if you will, you know, help us, you know, buy so many copies and promote them. So we did a joint venture. I got you. So it was a book that I, I think it was called... Um, why everything matters and they thought that was too boring yeah. so they went back to the drawing board and told me it'd be called blueprint in bedlam bedlam <laughs> <laughs> so they they did the cover art and they thought of the name and so blueprint in bedlam is the book i wrote by myself and it was based on a on a, a sermon series i did in genesis 
And then I really designed this book to be cookies on the bottom shelf for people. And it has questions in the back of the chapters, even for small groups. But it's meant to be given to somebody who maybe is just trying to figure things out. So that was a blast. I did Blueprint and Bedlam. Mm -hmm. And then at LTI, we've written a couple of books. You co-authored, yeah. Yeah, co-authored with Ben. Um, One of the books is called The Four Dimensions of Human Health, Mm -hmm. which is actually in three languages, by the way. Really? English, Spanish, and Portuguese. Wow. And the reason is because a significant portion of the world speaks Spanish and Portuguese. And we wanted to get those resources into their hands. So anyway, uh, The Four Dimensions of Human Health is a book basically that incorporates a lot of the things that we learned in our coaching experience and training. It's all the things you didn't learn in school. It's all the, they they call them soft skills. I don't like that word soft skills. I feel like they're essential skills. Essential, yeah. Essential skills. Um, And so it's a book with 40 different topics on dealing with essential skills. Mm. And we use it as our curriculum when we do our trainings and teachings. Okay. So we do like an organ, a, a program called LeaderCo where we have different cohorts, some out of town, some here in the Mm -hmm. Treasure Valley, where we invite business and ministry leaders in, Mm -hmm. and we spend literally two years together working through the content of the four dimensions Mm. and interacting and helping them grow as leaders. Mm. And so we use it as our main content in our one-on-one coaching sessions as well. Uh, And then we actually just finished and released a new book called Mega Life. Mega Life is a book that is, it comes from this, this interaction between Jesus and the Pharisees where they they asked him, what's the most mega commandment? Mm-hmm. And Jesus said, the most mega commandment is to love the Lord your God, right. heart, soul, mind, and strength, mm-hmm. and love your neighbor. So in his eyes, the most mega thing is to love. So love is the most mega. Mm-hmm. So we wrote a book on the issue of how love solves the problem of fear. Mm-hmm. Fear is the epidemic that's really happening all around us. Everyone struggles. And the only answer to the problem of fear is love. Yeah. And of course, it says that in in 1 John, that perfect love casts out fear. So the secret to really overcoming whatever we're afraid of is to know that we're loved by God. Yeah. 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 You know, interesting uh, connection. Even in football, Hmm. one of the key things, maybe the most important thing is love. Now, wow. That doesn't seem to fit in people's, <laughs> people's mind, you know. They I'm going to love you as I hit you. <laughs> <laughs> they, want to, they want to see collisions yes. and, and all kinds of stuff. And, <laughs> but, you know, the, the core of a football program is love. Mm-hmm. And Coach Andy Avalos here, who's, yeah. who's a friend, and, and that's, that's what he's all about, is bringing that team together as a family mm-hmm. and loving each other. And, mm-hmm. and when you do that, well, you, you perform better, too. You yeah. know, you're out there playing not just for yourself. You're playing yeah. for your, the guy next to you and the guy behind you. And so love is big in football just as it is in, in other parts of life. Well, remember the movie The Blind Side? Right. We just watched it again at our house on TV. Yeah. And he really fundamentally changes his perspective on the football field when he looks at this as his family. Yep. I need to protect my family. And yep. then, then he goes to war for them. Yep. So love does play a role. Yep, yep. And that's exactly the concept that uh, Coach Avalos is building here at, uh, at Boise State. Awesome. Yep, yep. Awesome. Yep. Well, Kent, I know you're a busy man, but mm-hmm. are, are there other things that you enjoy doing? Yeah. Uh, family things? Or what do you like? Well, you know what I like to do? I like to fly fish. Really? Oh, I'm a yeah. fly fisherman. I'll, I'll fish for anything. I yeah. love fishing for bass, spin fishing, all that. But I really love getting on the river and fly fishing. It's yeah. kind of my sanctuary. Yep. So I try to get out every couple of weeks. Yeah. Well, you're all by yourself out there. Oh, and you're, you're, you forget about everything Glorious. Else and, yeah. Glorious. I love to fly fish. Yeah. We also love to ski. Yeah. So we're a ski family. So we'll hit the mountains in the winter. 
Um, I like everything outside. I really have embraced Idaho and the outdoors. Yep. So I love doing everything the outdoors has yeah, to offer. Yeah. But I would say fly fishing in the summer and skiing in the skiing winter. In the winter, yeah. yeah. Well, Idaho is the perfect place sure for is. both of those. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> well, Kent, uh, I want you to, we got a couple minutes left here. Yeah. And just in a, in a short form, what are your goals for the pursuit? What mm. are you trying to accomplish at the pursuit? Thank you for asking that. So here's what we want. When we moved to Idaho, we, I made a commitment that we were going to seek out a community that really is relationally driven, love-centered. Mm-hmm. And if we couldn't find it, we were going to make it. Yeah. And we, I've been looking for this. And I feel mm-hmm. like we have not done a terrific job around the world in the church of loving each other. Right. And we've got to find a way to really come together and to do ministry together and to realize we're a colony of heaven in the country of death. As Eugene Peterson mm-hmm. said, yeah. we're a colony. We live in this place together and we are one body. We are brothers and sisters. So what I want to do at the pursuit is to create things. I mm-hmm. want to create something that is a colony of heaven, that is love-centered, relationally driven, that is totally biblically committed, but absolutely is committed to being there together yeah. and to love people into the kingdom of God. I mean, it is the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. Mm-hmm. And I feel like we are so quick to get angry. We're so quick to attack. We're so quick to be critical, not just of each other, but of our culture. Sure. And I feel like in many ways, it sends the wrong message. What's going to bring people to the church, what's going to bring people to Jesus mm-hmm. is the love of God. Mm-hmm. They cannot escape that. No. And I think it's the thing that if we did really well, the doors would get knocked down. That's right. Trying, yeah. Just trying to get in. People will want to come. Oh, if you can offer people yeah. that kind of relationship, this safe, secure, unconditional, transformational love of God, mm-hmm. if, if they could experience that, they would want it all day long. Sure. The world is hungry for that. So mm-hmm. I think they're right to look at us and say, I don't know if I want to be part of your thing if I don't see you loving each other. Mm-hmm. So you're right. Let's yeah. love each other, yeah. and then they'll want to become part Absolutely. of our thing. Absolutely. Well, yeah. our listening audience, if you're out there uh, thinking about a church, looking for a church, why uh, the pursuit might be a, a place to visit. And tell us where it's located, Ken. Yeah, it's just east of Eagle Road mm-hmm. and south of Chinden on Discovery. On Discovery. So it's literally yeah. right on the corner of Boise, Meridian, and Eagle. Yeah, yeah. Well, we want to wish you nothing but the very best, God's best, as you uh, start this new encounter of yours and and your staff you've got that complete Mm -hmm. is everybody in place now? yeah we just hired a new associate pastor very excited about it we're finally adding people to the team because we're seeing new people come we're growing we're getting stable financially we're heading a positive trajectory that's great that's great well listening audience uh if you're looking for a church you better check out the pursuit I think you'll be greatly pleased. And Kent, again, God's best to you. Thank you so much for what you do and all you do for so many, and especially for the Lord. Thank you, Coach. And great having you as a guest. Thank you. Game Plan for Life with Skip Hall is brought to you by the following sponsors. Christian Brothers Automotive. Security Gold and Silver. A reliable source for your bullion investment. Domino's. Oh, yes, we did. Diamond Heating and Cooling. Hoffman Auto Body. Someone you can trust. And... Zero is carpet cleaning. Thank you for listening to Game Plan for Life with Skip Hall. This is Carolyn Holly inviting you to listen at this same time on this same station next Saturday as Skip and his guests go over the Game Plan for Life. Have a great weekend. And remember, no game plan, no victory. 